Today, Jesus is presented with a, a tough question. Is it lawful to pay the census tax or not? It's an issue that deeply divided Israel at the time. And also, he was doing it with the two opposing parties in front of him. For the Pharisees, the, the Mosaic law was the law of the land, and paying the census tax to a foreign power was an act of betrayal and of faithlessness. But then the Herodians were on the opposite side. They were pro-Roman, and they, they were more kind of, of a realist type of politics. They said, well, if you are to survive, you need to go with Caesar. You had to pay your taxes, you know. Not paying the tax would be the easiest way to get yourself executed. And no wonder the response Jesus gives perplexes them. Give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. Give to God what belongs to God. You know, they, Herodians and Pharisees thought these were incompatible. You either obeyed God or you obeyed Caesar. So what Jesus says is a different, it's a new thing, it's a third thing. You can be a faithful citizen and also a faithful disciple. There is no necessary contradiction here. And beginning with this passage, that's where, why the Catholic intellectual tradition has made this classic distinction between the civil order and the religious order as orders that are related but are also distinct. And it's tricky because we, we have this dual citizenship, if you want. We are members of the body of Christ and we're members of our nation. So we have duties toward both bodies. And those are not in opposition. You know, ideally, you want to have a positive interaction between civic and religious leaders and between civic and religious laws. But they remain distinct. They're not the same. And this important distinction has also allowed for the, what we, the doctrine of the separation of church and state, which means in, in our American context that the government will not favor one religious group over another. In other words, the, the state will not be a conf confessional state. But to give it a, a further spin, what has become of this doctrine of separation of church and state in, in the current situation that is more and more secularized? How is it understood today? I would say it has taken on a new meaning. That faith values have no role whatsoever in public life. They would say to you, you cannot serve God and Caesar at the same time. When it comes to any social or professional duties or interactions, God has to be out of the picture. You can only serve Caesar. So without noticing, we've gone back to the situation of the Pharisees and the Herodians. It's either one or the other. You cannot bring both. And they're forcing you to choose. Choose whom you will serve, this world or Christ. That dual citizenship that Jesus spoke about is no longer accepted. And a sign to me of how this is warming its way, even also in, into our collective consciousness as Catholics, came in some conversations I had here and there with different people over time. I don't want to say any names here. But they, we were talking about Martin Scorsese's 
movie on uh, silence, you know, that movie that came out three years ago. It's a, it's a movie on a novel, actually, also by the same name, from a Japanese Catholic author, Sushaku Endo. And this movie shows the persecution that Catholic missionaries and Catholics suffered in Japan in the 1600s and ends up with one of these, the missionary priests apostatizing and getting married and becoming a sort of uh, sage in the Japanese court. And then the movie ends with an image of the funeral of this priest, this former priest, who is holding a tiny crucifix in his hand, as if saying he's kept the faith, you know, in, but in some secret corner of his soul. Well, what surprised me particularly was to hear some Catholics say that this seemed to be a great idea, that it was a very insightful way of how you can keep the faith in an antagonistic world, that you could keep this faith deeply buried in your soul somehow while your external behavior is like everybody else's. You cannot be distinguished from anyone who is not a Christian. Um, even more, as in the case of this former priest, you could even live in a way that is contradictory with the faith and still keep the faith. So this is, I would say, the, the extreme consequence of separating you know, service of God and service of civil society. For some people, it has, meant to, it has, be, it has come to mean a total opposition or separation. And it renders faith this totally interior an untraceable phenomenon that's somehow inside of me but doesn't show at all. Now, to respond to that, think how unrealistic that is. It contradicts the demands of the human soul that always seeks consistency between the outside and the inside. It's so difficult to live in contradiction. The human heart is one. If you believe that something is real, if you believe God is real, the Eucharist is real, heaven is real, how can you live as if it wasn't? Or else, if you push all these things out of sight into the deep layers of your consciousness, you're being forced to live as if Christianity was pure fiction, not something that can really sustain your life, and then why would you keep it? And it also stands in opposition to the words of Jesus. Jesus said um, that our faith in him would, would be impossible to hide. He said, you are like a city on a hill. It's impossible not to notice it. You, you will, we, if you believe in Jesus, you will not go unnoticed. People will notice the kind of choices you make, how you interact, that you pray, that, you, that you've come to Mass on Sunday. They will say there's something different in this person. It's not just like any other, any, anybody else. How can we make our faith become suddenly invisible and untraceable? And then to dispel the opposite fear, allowing your faith to become visible doesn't mean you're a bigot or a hater. On the contrary, if there's an, intoler an intolerance going around is one that tends to exclude God from the public square. I like to think of it this way, that Jesus himself is the very image of mercy and tolerance. 
You know, he was, he was highly demanding. He was very challenging in the things he said. But he would never, never impose faith on anyone. He would challenge people to convert. But he would never use any coercion. It had to be your free choice. Even his, one of, some of his disciples could turn away from him, betray him, if they, want, if they so cho- chose to do. And he would say, he said what he said in the gospel today, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and to God what belongs to God. He, was, he would point to this Roman coin and say, see the image you, you see here? It's Caesar's image. So give it back to him. But you, you bear the image of God. You belong to the Father. So give yourself back to God. You don't belong to Caesar. Your, some, of, some of your time may belong to him, some of your money, some resources. But you, your heart, your conscience belong only to God. And when you do this, when you give yourself to God, you are not a threat to society. On the contrary, I think you're building up society and you're building yourself up as well. You're resisting the self-destructive forces that, that threaten society and threaten our hearts too. Well, to conclude, final thing. This dual citizenship has also outstanding representatives throughout the history of the church. There's so, such a long list of saints who were kings and queens, who were very deeply involved in, the, in public issues and serving their countries. There were also so many saints that served society by helping the underprivileged, creating institutions to care for the poor, the sick, those who needed education. But just to mention one of my favorites, St. Thomas More. He was, uh, you know, the great chancellor in England in the 1600s under Henry VIII. When King Henry VIII proclaimed himself the head of the church in England, Thomas More refused to sign that document. And he had always been faithful to his country and to his king. Couldn't find anyone more faithful than Thomas More. But here, when the king demanded that he, that Thomas had to do something that only God could ask from him, he said, no, I will serve my king, but that's not for the king to ask, something the king could ask of me. It's only for Christ to ask me that. And even through the ordeal of his trial and sentencing, Thomas More would not speak ill of King Henry. Even when, at the, when he climbed the place of his um, execution, he, is, he, he said, I am commanded by the king to be brief, And since I am the king's obedient subject, brief I will be. I die his majesty's good servant, but God's first. My friends, be proud of being a child of God. Be proud of being Catholic. There's nothing to be ashamed of in that. And don't let the Pharisee or Herodian mentality of our day also push you into this dilemma. You had to choose God or country, Christ or the world. Live after the pattern of Jesus and say, like Thomas More would say, I intend to serve both of them. But God comes 
first.